Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's Good Friday message from last year in John chapter 19 called The King Bears the Cross. John 19, 17 says, They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross. The word bearing jumps out to me, and that is a word that means to endure, to bear up, to carry a burden, to carry something that is burdensome. And that indeed is what Jesus did. He bore the cross for you and for me. I mentioned to you, uh, I mentioned in the prayer that the cross is a symbol that you see on so many churches. In the first century, the cross was a terrible death instrument. It's something that you never wanted to be associated with in your life or in your family. You, you wouldn't want the cross to even really be mentioned. And, and Romans didn't even want to talk about the cross because the cross was a death instrument. It was the historic electric chair, if you will. And sometimes when I see a person wearing a cross or have a cross uh, maybe in their ear, an earring or something of that nature, uh, even I see people with a lot of cross tattoos. And I think it's really encouraging that that's the case. But I sometimes wonder if we understand what that was at the time of Jesus. It was the electric chair of the day. It was a the, the most terrible way to die. Uh, crucifixion victims, as brutal as it is, often stayed on crosses for days. They became prey to wild animals and birds. It was an ugly scene. Historians say that crucifixion victims were often naked on the cross. Uh, they were often put on display as a warning. Rome would put them right in the marketplace, if you will, right at street level to warn people that if you cross the empire, this is what will happen to you. And so there were a lot of uh, uprisings back in the day, especially around the Feast of Israel. And there were extra troops that the Romans would bring in at the time of the Passover or the, the uh, major feast of Israel to quell any uprisings. And so the cross could become a very familiar image towards or in light of those seasons where it would be a warning. Don't do this. Don't cross the emperor or the Roman Empire. And Jesus, sadly, is bearing his own cross. You'll notice in verse 17, we have the word therefore. And when we ever, whenever we see the word therefore, we look back at the text. And I thought it would be uh, fitting for us tonight to take a look at the uh, context of what leads up to verse 17. Here's what's happened up to that time. Pilate then took Jesus, 19.1 of John, and scourged him. Scourging was called the half-death. It was known as the half-death because of the type of whip that was used and the number of lashes that went to the victim of scourging. Uh, the writers of the time say that scourging, and, and I'm sorry that some of this is going to be a, a little hard to take, would often expose internal organs of the scourging victim. I noticed on uh, one of the Fox channels, they're streaming the Passion of the Christ movie that came out some years ago. 
And I tell you, I watched the Passion of the Christ movie in a theater with uh, several brothers and sisters. And when we watched the movie, uh, it was extremely hard to take. I have some friends that have studied the Hebrew of Isaiah 53 and wonder if the movie went far enough, as hard as that is to imagine, to depict the brutality and suffering of the Christ. But Jesus suffered scourging. And John makes just a quick mention of it, but that scourging being called the half-death would often kill people right there. And Jesus was scourged in John 19.1. Notice it says, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns. Some of you have seen how long those spikes are. It's on a, a shrub or a tree that grows in Israel. And they, they jam that crown of thorns into his holy head or his holy brow. They put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews. And they, uh, to get, to give him slaps in the face. It seems between the Hail, King of the Jews, the mock coronation, they would slap him in the face. A soldier would come up and say, Hail! And then they would hit him. He already had the crown of thorns on him. He already had the purple robe. He already had been scourged. And now in a mock coronation with a mock crown, and a mock scepter, according to other gospels, and a royal robe to mock him. They mock the so-called king. There's uh, uh, other gospels that record that the number of soldiers that were around Jesus at that time could have been in the hundreds that were doing this to him. It was a brutal thing uh, to be uh, mistreated in this way. Jesus at this point would have been uh, just devastated in terms of injuries and he would have been bleeding profusely. Pilate came out again and said to them, behold, I'm bringing him out to you that so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. You'll watch multiple times that Pilate will say he's innocent. Jesus then came out wearing the crown, verse five of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man, take a good look. And I think at this point, Pilate did this, hopefully to engender some compassion from the people in the religious leadership, as if to say, I find this man innocent. Isn't this enough? Haven't we done enough to him? Haven't we beaten him badly enough? Haven't we uh, ridiculed him, mocked him badly enough, scourged him badly enough? But it wasn't enough for the chief priests and for the religious leaders, you could say for the council of the Sanhedrin, because they had been planning his demise for months and perhaps even years. They were waiting for this moment and nothing but crucifixion would suffice. And so as we just look back in the text for a moment, when the chief priests and the officers six saw him, they cried out. It doesn't say they saw him and they said, it's enough compassion. No, they said, crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, notice the Roman governor. And by the way, he was not known for compassion. Pilate was not. He says, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered and said, we have a law. And by that law, he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Now, Jesus' claim to be the Son of God is all throughout this gospel, the gospel of John. 
And on at least two previous occasions that I can recall just in this gospel, they took up stones to stone Jesus because of his claim to be the unique son of God. You could say God the son. They knew what he was saying and they wanted to do away with him. He was a threat to them. And so notice Pilate's afraid and Pilate enters into the praetorium and he begins to question Jesus and Jesus won't answer him. He is like that lamb in Isaiah 53 led to the slaughter that is silent before it shears. So he opened not his mouth. And this amazed Pilate because you would think that at this point, like so many who would be facing, uh, you know, uh, capital punishment of death, they would be bartering, bartering for their life, saying just about anything that could be said. But Jesus wouldn't speak to him. And Pilate says, you don't talk to me? Don't you know I have the authority to crucify you or release you? And Jesus says, uh-uh. You would have no authority over me unless it had been first given to you from heaven. See, that day, Jesus technically wasn't on trial. Pilate was on trial. The chief priests were on trial. The world was on trial. I was on trial. And he was going to that cross because I deserved that punishment. Jesus talks about culpability in verse 11. It's interesting because he says, uh, the ones that delivered me over to you, end of 11, have the greater sin. There are levels of sin and with knowledge, with light, comes culpability and responsibility. The more you know, the more you're exposed to, the more responsible you become. See, Jesus says, if you have the light, essentially, if you have knowledge, then that knowledge brings more uh, that you're responsible to. Those who know very little, they can't really answer to much, if you will. But those of us who know much, we become responsible to what we know. And Jesus says they have the greater sin. They know who I am. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him, but 12, the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, 13, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat, the Bema seat at, at a place called the pavement. You can visit this today in Israel, in Hebrew, Gabatha. Now, ironically, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. Jesus is, of course, the Passover lamb. We talked about this a couple of nights ago. People were preparing for the Passover meal that would happen that evening, running around, making preparations. And the Passover lamb was being prepared to be sacrificed. It is amazing how the Holy Spirit puts together the pictures of Scripture. And so there's Jesus. And there's preparation going on for the Passover. He is the Passover, if you will, the lamb. It was about the sixth hour. It was 6 a.m. according to Roman time. Jesus would die on the cross at 9 a.m. from 9 to 3. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. So they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, notice one more attempt. Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, and this is a lie, but this is what they say. We have no king but Caesar. They chose Caesar over Christ. And so he then handed him over to them to be crucified. Isn't it sad? Just in that little word, therefore, and 
in verse 17 of John 19, we have this backdrop. That's why he ended up at the cross. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael Lance has invited you to celebrate Easter at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Early risers can come to the first service at 6 a.m. Just bring a chair and a blanket, maybe a carafe of coffee or whatever you need, and we'll be celebrating the Lord early in the morning as the sun comes up. You're also invited to worship with us at the 10 a.m. service live streamed on the Living Truth YouTube channel. Now, if you haven't been to church in like a year, and remember the shutdowns really came into effect around Easter time last year, it was strange not to be together with the church last Easter. That's not going to happen this year. We're going to be with the saints of God, man. And if you haven't been to church for a while, what a great time to come back. Visit Living Truth Christian Fellowship on Easter Sunday at 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. But if you live outside Southern California or can't attend service, you're still invited to worship with us at 10 a.m. Live streamed on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on YouTube or download the free Living Truth app. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. When Pilate heard these words, 13, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat, the Bema seat, at, at a place called the pavement. You can visit this today in Israel, in Hebrew, Gabatha. Now, ironically, it was the day of preparation for the Passover. Jesus is, of course, the Passover lamb, We talked about this a couple nights ago. People were preparing for the Passover meal that would happen that evening, running around, making preparations. And the Passover lamb was being prepared to be sacrificed. It is amazing how the Holy Spirit puts together the pictures of Scripture. And so there's Jesus. And there's preparation going on for the Passover. He is the Passover, if you will, the lamb. It was about the sixth hour. It was 6 a.m. according to Roman time. Jesus would die on the cross at 9 a.m. from 9 to 3. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. So they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, notice one more attempt. Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, and this is a lie, but this is what they say. We have no king but Caesar. They chose Caesar over Christ And so he then handed him over to them to be crucified. Isn't it sad? Just in that little word, therefore, and in verse 17 of John 19, we have this backdrop. That's why he ended up at the cross. The religious leadership of the nation had multiple opportunities to say, okay, it's enough. Maybe we need to rethink who he is and what we're doing. But no, they wouldn't. And you know, God gives people chances over and over and again. He gives them the light of the gospel. And maybe you're a person who's heard the gospel on multiple occasions, but still you've said no. You've chosen Caesar over Christ. And remember, the Caesars were simply the kings of Rome. They were the leaders. 
of the Roman world. But Jesus is the true king, the king of a kingdom that will last forever. In the previous chapter, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting, that I wouldn't be turned over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom's not of this realm. See, Jesus is the king. And before us, we have the king bearing his own cross. In verse 17, he bore his cross and uh, he was carrying his own cross. The NIV says, rejected and forsaken. You can write down Isaiah 53.3. Customarily, the crucifixion victim was led to the site of execution by the longest route possible. Those of you who have heard this story on multiple occasions know that that path is called the Via Della Rosa. It is a path that you can walk in Israel today. There are stations where they believe certain things occurred. And it's the path to the suffering point, if you will. And there is Jesus carrying the cross. The scholars say that crucifixion victims would usually carry the cross beam of the cross, maybe the whole cross, but at least the cross beam known in Latin as the patibulum. And they would be under the weight of probably at least a hundred pound crossbeam. And I want you to imagine with the crown of thorns, with the scourging that's already take, taken place. And so much, he's so weak at this point that Simon the Cyrene does have to help him carry the cross at uh, some point along the Via Dolorosa. In Genesis 22, when Abraham is going up to Mount Moriah, the very area where Jesus would be crucified 2,000 years later, He's taking Isaac, his son. Abraham took the wood, Genesis 22, 6, of the burnt offering. He laid it on Isaac, his son. He took, his, uh, took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac's going up with the wood placed on him. And Abraham said, God, Genesis 22, 8, will provide for himself the lamb. He would become the lamb. Where God guides, he provides. What God requires, he provides. We needed a way to be saved, to be reconciled. And the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, was provided for us. I want you to just pause for a moment. Take a breath. And take another look at your Savior. Consider on this Good Friday what he was willing to do for you and for me. The payment that he would make. And this idea of the cross is an encouragement for us in Hebrews 12. Listen to these words. This is one and two. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set or marked out before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. That's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. See, the cross is supposed to be a symbol of love 
and the finished work of Jesus Christ, but it's also a symbol of endurance. Consider Jesus. Consider how he endured so that you can endure. Consider how he put up with so much hostility so that you can put up with the hostility. Consider what he went through so that when you're suffering as a Christian, when you're going through your difficulty, when you're going through your trials, and look, the whole world right now is hemorrhaging, believers included. We still have fear at times, right? We still feel the weight and the burdens for our families. Some of you have lost work. Some of you are wondering, how am I going to endure? How am I going to take another step? And ironically, the Bible says this. Here's the symbolism. It says, take off the weights of the fears and the doubts and the sin that so easily entangle you and take up your cross and follow him. Isn't it interesting? The cross becomes a symbol We get rid of the other junk and we take up our cross and we follow the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 38, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You can write down Matthew 16, 24 through 27, where Jesus says something similar and says, you could gain the whole world, but if, if you, if you forfeit your soul, it wouldn't matter if you gain the whole world. It wouldn't matter what you get because your soul is so precious. And he says, take up your cross and follow me. That's a hard thing for modern uh, evangelical ears to hear sometimes because that requires something of us. That requires something more than just attending a church service or watching a church service. That requires something more than just saying, I believe or I have my get out of hell uh, free card. It is a decision to be a disciple. You've been listening to The King Bears the Cross, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's Good Friday teaching from last year in John 19. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you have no plans for Easter Sunday, Pastor Michael would love to meet you at Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 10 a.m. And if you live outside Southern California, we would still love to have you watch the service on our YouTube live stream. You can find it when you visit walkintruth.com or by downloading the Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, sometimes people say, how could the death of a man, now he wasn't just a man, he was the God man, 2,000 years ago expressed God's love for me. Well, here's the deal. We had sin separating us from God. Sin separates us from God. And Jesus Christ, he displayed God's love on the cross. Now, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross for God to love you because God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So let me just kind of carefully explain this. God's love motivated him to send Jesus. And then the expression, or you could say the fulfillment of that love, was Jesus's death on the cross. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God so loved the world that he sent his son, and then his son died on the cross took God's wrath, and was God's love on display, God's justice on display as well. And so this is how the love of God was demonstrated 
Uh, literally, this is a Greek word where it's a from the jewelry world where a jeweler puts a diamond or some other uh, precious jewel, you know, in that display case with its most brilliant light on it. That's the word for demonstrated. God put its, his love on display at the cross. And of course, through the resurrection, Jesus said it's finished from the cross. The debt has been paid in full. And you know, when someone pays your debt, a debt you could not pay, that is a great expression of love. For someone to sacrifice like that means they have to love you. And Jesus' expression of that is the most amazing expression of love. He loves you, my friend. That's why Jesus came. Won't you trust him? Won't you say, Lord, I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I'm going to trust you as my personal Lord and Savior. Hey, if you need help in um, what it means to follow Jesus Christ, reach out to us walkintruth.com or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars and reach out to us. We'd like to know how we can help you in a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to be spending more time uh, looking at the events of the Passion of the Christ. The King bears the cross and we'll catch you here tomorrow for that. And just one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations, so praise God. If you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's Good Friday message from last year in John chapter 19 called The King Bears the Cross. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.